I'm Jonathan Ross. I am 86 years old and already it's too noisy in here for me. Will you keep the sound down, please, kids? Don't worry, kids. He's just babysitting. It's still number one. It's the 2000s chart show. Thank you very much, Fern and Jonathan, for that introduction, which was definitely for me and definitely not for a much-beloved pop music BBC show of the 2000s, which I've crudely added the name of my own podcast. I would never do that. So now we've got that clear, welcome to the 2000s Chart Show, the podcast that celebrates the music of the noughties every week by reliving the UK Top 40 from this week, 20 years ago. I'm your host, Samuel Spencer, and what a week it was 20 years ago. On the 22nd of June, the iconic 90s dating show Blind Date was cancelled. Another 90s TV show to feel the brunt of the cancelling acts in 2003 as we moved into finally after three years into the actual 2000s as we know them another big 2003 moment happened this week on june 28th we had the premiere of pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl starring johnny depp kira knightley and orlando bloom ah Remember when Orlando Bloom was our next leading hunk and Johnny Depp was a beloved pirate rather than now when Orlando Bloom is a D-list straight to streaming actor best known as Mr. Katy Perry. The pair of them definitely didn't seem to be completely rolling in the Billie Eilish documentary. Definitely not. Made that very clear. And Johnny Depp was a... Well, you know, I'm not having those Johnny Depp stands come for me on Twitter, so fill in the blanks of Johnny Depp in 2023 is for yourself. So that was the week 20 years ago. And as for the charts 20 years ago, Fallen by Evanescence is the number one album and Bring Me to Life by Evanescence was also the number one single last week. So you can keep listening to find out if they have managed three weeks at number one. As for the new releases that were out on the 28th of June 2003, we had artists like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Placebo, The Darkness, Ashanti, Delta Goodrum, Wayne Wonder and Jennifer Ellison in <laughs> no particular order there. I'm going to talk about all of those as we go on. As well as that, you'll hear more from my interview with Danny Minogue. Yes, really. Discover what the fast food rockers are doing now and learn what S Club 7 can teach us about philosophy. So quite the packed show. Let's get it kicked off with our first entries in the UK Top 40 20 years ago. At this point, we've done about two months worth of charts and it's been fun and they've been good, I think, but they've been lacking in a little bit of drama. So I have done some hard audio editing to bring an injection of high drama to proceedings. So let's go straight to number 40. <laughs> yes, that is already more dramatic, isn't it? Number, so, it's also thrown me a little bit. So at, <laughs> we have Good Charlotte with Girls and Boys. That's down from 34 in its seventh week on the chart. And shopping sprees, these are a few of her favourite things. She'll Marilyn Manson down from 25 at 39 with Mob Scene and at 38 in its ninth week on the chart David Snedden with Don't Let Go Don't wanna let you go 
David Snedden, like D-Side and Atomic Kitten before him last week, has managed to crawl his way back into the top 40. So this song went out of the top 40 five weeks ago and has been at 39, 50, 61, 63 and 56. And now he's back at 38. And I am still no further in discovering how this keeps happening. It Was it that Woolworths would just reduce the singles or there would be a nationwide push to reduce the single and that would like push it back into the top 40? I don't know. I can't remember. I do remember buying a Shaggy's It Wasn't Me single for 50 pence once. Maybe that was the same kind of thing. I'm not sure. But what I am sure of is that in 2006, three years after our current time on the podcast, David David, (laughs) David Snillionaire did not become a millionaire. David Snedden became a millionaire. But not from hits such as Stop Living the Lie and his number 38 hit this week, Don't Let Go. But through songwriting, he said in an interview that you can find at thefreelibrary.com, I'm now officially a millionaire. It's the songwriting that has made me the money and that has been one hell of a year. It's incredible how successful a year it's been. And I'm still getting royalties for my album, which sold around 250,000 copies. And my two hit singles, Stop Living the Lie and Don't Let Go. And David Snedden still remains a in-demand songwriter. He's recently written for Louis Capaldi, Louis Tom and Mika find the odd one out there and of course he forever will be known as the guy who wrote National Anthem by Lana Del Rey but all of this pales in comparison to the latest news from Dose Stedden and I am gutted that I missed this at the time but in late 2022 there was a Fame Academy reunion they all got together for the 20th anniversary even Richard was there the mean judge who I would have definitely put money on not living to 2023 but I'm glad that he did and as I hoped and prayed Sinead Quinn still looks great love those Fame Academy peeps and we also love these next two songs which have had a long run on the chart yeah. I am like so I got to win Break bread with the enemy No matter how many cats I break bread with I break who you sending me You motherfucker never wanna know what your life saved Demo That's on a light day I'm getting down down like it said freeze But won't be the one ending up on his knees Please But the only thing you can't steal was came out to play Stay out my way Motherfuckers we gonna rock Then we gonna fall Then we let it pop Don't let it go There. In its ninth week, we have DMX's X Gonna Give It To You. And at 36, down 10 spots to 26 this week, we have Girls Aloud's No Good Advice. This has been a big week. By this, I mean the week that we're in, in actual life, not the week in the podcast. It's been a big week this week for Girls Aloud fans everywhere because they finally got the so-called explicit version of No Good Advice onto Spotify. There's only one difference between the original and the explicit version. So in the version that we've heard for years, the line goes, shut your mouth because it might show. And I'm sure many of you throughout the years have been like, what exactly is it? Well, turns out it's censorship gone mad because the original line was... 
shut your mouth because your shit might show. But this was rewritten due to the concern that with the swear word it was too explicit for girls allowed to target audience who, and this is from Wikipedia, so definitely true, are presumed to be skewed slightly younger than sugar babes who were permitted to use the occasional mild expletive. Interesting to think there was this rank order of who was allowed to say shit and who wasn't in the 2000s and that sugar babes were decided to be able to say shit. I like the idea that no one could stop Mutia from uttering swear words. She just kind of has that vibe. Someone who swears like a sailor. So girls allowed, I think this might be their last week on the top 40 for now. Although of course we know that they've got some absolute great songs still to come. So we'll have lots of opportunities to talk about girls allowed. But for now we have to talk about a new entry at 2.5. This is Dillinger featuring Skibbity with Twist em Out. See how naturally I delivered those names there. It's not my fault that Dillinger featuring Skibbity sounds like something you'd get if you did a drum and bass DJ name generator online, okay? They are big figures in the drum and bass scene, which Kel Surprise, the guy who's currently wearing a Girls Allowed t-shirt as he records this, isn't up to date on underground drum and bass. I know, shocking. So if you are equally unaware who these guys are, Dillinger is Carl Francis and Skibbity has the great birth name of Alfonso Bonzi. I think he could have kept with that, to be honest. It's got a kind of drum and bass vibe, but he didn't. He went for Skibbity, who apparently is best known for his double speed rap delivery, which means that you may have missed some of the lyrics to twist them out and we couldn't possibly have that so i would like to introduce a guest into the show it is the chartbot 5000 hello samuel how are you hello chartbot how are you didn't you steal this character from nick grimshaw's radio one show yes thank you for reminding me that i did get this idea from nick grimshaw which means i will have to now decontaminate all of my clothes and scrub myself of that stink sorry nick grimshaw fans out there notice how as I speak, I'm not saying any ums and ers, and that's actually how you're supposed to present radio. Maybe someone could tell Nick Rimshaw. Anyway, moving on, let's let Chart Pop 5000 read some of the lyrics of Twist Em Out by Dillinger featuring Skibbity. Which brings us to a poetry highlight of the week. Poetry Thank you, Chartbot. Back in your cupboard now. This song was a big underground hit, but how did it make it into the mainstream? You may be thinking it was due to quality. No, it was because it was featured on the soundtrack to Ali G in the USA, the American spin-off of Sasha Baron Cohen's classic character which was great because it meant mainstream success for Skibbity who is one of the most kind of acclaimed and beloved drum and bass DJs so his Wikipedia says although he never achieved mainstream success he's a highly influential figure he won the BBC One Extra Award for Best MC in 2006 and a Lifetime Achievement Accolade at the 2010 Drum and Bass Awards and there were lots of tributes paid to him through people throughout the drum and bass scene including one of our favourites Lisa Mafia when he died at the age of 47 in 2022 so he's gone to the great rave in the sky R.I.P. Skibbity, who was at number 35 
20 years ago with his song Twist Em Out. At number 34, this is the fifth week of this on the chart, down from 27 last week. This is Love Inc. with Broken Bones. this on the chart for five weeks but we haven't talked about the fact that it's based entirely on a playground charm and spoiler alert for later in the show it's not the only song in the uk top 40 this week based on the childhood chant so the lyrics go i've got broken bones not from your sticks and stones but from the names that you call me of course a interpolation of sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me makes you wonder what other childhood chants could work could someone make a song of just random people in the playground chanting gaylord at me maybe they could i'd love to hear it Maybe Love Inc. could do it if they ever reformed. By the way, if we ha- we haven't mentioned who Love Inc. actually are. They are a Canadian Eurodance music group. Not sure how you can be both of those things at once, but they are. They're from Toronto in Canada, formed by DJs Chris Shepard, who I believe is Rave Bono, if you've been following the Love Inc. saga over the last few weeks, and Brad Damond, who I think is the one who refuses to dress up at any party. And then the lyricist, the woman in kind of rave clothes and a bindi whose skin is painted blue, is Simone Denny. Chris Shepard, in case you didn't know, is described as one of the leading figures in the Canadian dance music scene of the 1980s and 1990s. Being the leading figure of the Canadian dance music scene does sound like damning with faint praise, doesn't it? It's like being like, he's the fastest runner in his primary school. It's like, mm. lower level of fastness then. But still very impressive, Chris Shepherd with Love Inc. at 34. And at 33. Down 10 this week, this is Abs with Stop Sign. And because he's in the 30s this week, let's say it could be a, a stop sign on this song's chart run. We'll find that out next week, but for now, we will hear a little bit of Abs's Stop Sign. Get ready with the mic, let's go. My sound, abstract, cut the loop and bring the beat back. Bounce to the hot new flavor, turn off the hot and on the system fader. It ain't that I hate ya, but I don't wanna know y'all. See you later. Abs, of course, previous member of the boy band Five. And for our next new entry at th- we have a band of seven people, but not that band of seven people who are coming up later. Instead, bandits are a band who were big on the Liverpool indie scene in 2003, apparently. And as we've discovered over the last few episodes, the indie scene in Britain in 2003 was an absolute dead zone. And bandits certainly are on that rotting flesh heap of music, if you allow me to be very descriptive there. Two members of bandits were previously in a band called Tramp Attack, very 2003 name. Oh, ha, 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 homelessness, how funny. It's not an endemic crisis, ha, ha, ha. So there's not very much about them online because it was their only hit. One of the only things that I've been able to find is a a transcript from a University of York radio show in which they discussed the song. So the first presenter says, I like this intro. It sounds a bit like Mercury Rev. That's a dodgy Mick Jagger impression from the vocalist, though. Presenter two answers, sounds like the Wurzels. Presenter three says, reminds me a bit of the Coral. They're from the Liverpool scene presenter one says i like it it's not 
pet sounds, but it's better than athlete. Don't know why he decided to throw shade at athlete there, who's certainly not the worst indie band at the time. And then presenter two adds, I can't think of any redeeming features. I think I have to sit with presenter number two there because when we look back at the best and worst songs that we covered in 2003, this is certainly... I think going to be in the bottom five. You listen to this now and quite how he could have thought this singer's insane vocal delivery sounded anything like Mick Jagger is mind-boggling to me. He sounds more like if you gave a scarecrow magic life through a kind of magical spell. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Which is, I'm really selling it to you now, so you must hear it. This is Bandits with Taken sorry about that but i will make it up for you with our number three a previous number one on this chart in its eighth week this is tom craft with loneliness Big Brothers, favourite things. Certainly one of the top two hip-hop songs using a clip from The Sound of Music. And now let's head straight into 29. Down from 17 in its second week. This is Thrills with Big Sir, a slow indie track that I confessed to liking last week. And I stand by that. Although that kind of banjo sound is starting to grate when I was kind of listening to it a lot. Get away for this podcast. Great stuff there. And another new entry, Flip and Phil featuring Joe James with Field of Dreams. So 
Flip and Phil are very much... Sadly, I was convinced that I was going to look up their names, but they'd both be called Philip. But one of them decided to be called Flip, and one of them decided to be called Phil. But no, that is not the case, unfortunately. They are one of these many generic dance acts that were all over the UK charts in 2003. And when I say all over, I really mean it with Flip and Phil. Not only are they at 28 with their song Field of Dreams, but they're also on the CD singles of two other songs that are currently currently in the chart. So let's hear a little bit of their versions of No Good Advice by Girls Aloud and Fly on the Wings of Love by XTM. So that gives you an idea of the kind of dance music they were making. In 2002, they had big hits with True Love Never Dies, which got to seven, and Shooting Star at number three. That's the one that's like, like a shooting star, except obviously in tune. They also, in that year, did a cover of I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston, a song that, if I'm honest, I'd be happy to never, ever hear again. Massively overplayed, in my opinion. That's the original Whitney Houston one. Kind of, I know a controversial take from a pop music podcast. This song, Field of Dreams, is also a cover. It was previously a happy hardcore song by Force and Styles. I have to be honest, doing a dance cover of another dance song does really kind of gives hack to me. It's like when a drag queen plays another drag queen on Snatch Game. It's just lazy. Your references should be bigger than that. And you can really tell this song used to be a happy hardcore song because the lyrics are very, very cheesy. So here are some of them. I'm standing here in my field of dreams. Your love has passed me by, it seems, and the sun has hidden his face for another day. I'm going to take you by the hand and lead you through these precious lands and listen to the words you have to say. I'm sure that sounds absolutely great when you're rolling your balls off on black Mitsubishis or whatever brand of ecstasy was your preference. But sitting in this tiny recording booth with a kind of light caffeine buzz from a cherry Pepsi Max, it's not really giving very much to me. Sorry, Flip and Phil, but clearly... Girls Aloud believed in you because they got them to remix Sound of the Underground, No Good Advice and Jump. Girls Aloud certainly seem to be fans of Flip and Phil, even if Field of Dreams is not really giving it to me. Although Shooting Star, good song worth listening to. So let's leave Flip and Phil at number 28 and make our way to number 27. This is a, another new entry. Red Hot Chili Peppers with Universally Speaking. magazine that I read once called Anthony Kiedis one of the worst singers of all time and I didn't really get it until until I heard University Speaking performed on Top of the Pops in which very fluctuating pitch you heard my version of Shooting Star earlier imagine that but it's Anthony Kiedis there wasn't really that much difference between something that I admittedly thought was a terrible rendition of a song and his natural performing style But 
but obviously people seem to like it this is the fourth single that they've managed to get out of by the way so previously by the way it's the single got to number two their biggest hit to this date then they had the zephyr song at number 11 and can't stop which i think quite frankly rude that it only got to number 22 because that is one of their best songs and in the charts to come they have five more top 40s to go including another number two hit with danny california red hot chili peppers lyrics can be a little bit coded sometimes i went to my beloved songfacts.com to find out some information about this and it says of university speaking this song is probably about heroin use amazing work song facts there saying a red hot chili pepper song is about heroin we just assumed that was what it was about you don't need to tell us that it was about Antikidas' love of drugs because he famously loves drugs if you've read his autobiography scar tissue it's a very eye-opening read his dad was a kind of famous drug dealer i reminded myself about what Anthony Kiedis's biography had said on a website called straight.com which a website for obvious reasons i've never visited before but it mentions that in the book he says that by grade seven so i think that's the age of 11 or 12 in the u.s he was experimenting with booze pot quaaludes and acid so that's at 11 or 12 his first snort of nose candy so cocaine comes at age 13 after which he quickly decides that injecting it leads to a better high well we all made mistakes in our teenage years i tried to get curtains like ben adams from a1 equivalent stories also antikidas lost his virginity at number 11 with one of his dad's girlfriends so very weird and seedy life although it has occasionally led to some good songs from red hot chili peppers but nothing in the red hot chili peppers catalog can live up to emma bunton at number 26 here with free me smooth 60s style there it being very 60s it's kind of horn forward but this next little section is very guitar forward so listen as we play at 25 lincoln park's faint and at 24 electric 60s gay bar and then at number 23 a new entry for placebo with this picture watching you turn your back like you always do face away and pretend that i'm not but i'll be here because you're all that i got i can't Do you have any money? Why 
Placebo's second single from their album Sleeping With Ghosts. Not something I would recommend, but I would recommend the first single from that album, which is The Bitter End, which got to number 12 earlier in the year. This picture, which is their single at 23 this week, tells the story of a relationship involving sadomasochism and an abusive female in a position of dominance. Apparently, in the lyrics, the phrase ashtray girl is meant to refer to a woman who uses her partner as an emotional ashtray. There's a line that says, cigarette burns on my chest, which apparently makes reference to a supposed particular fetish of James Dean. I say supposed, but you can't libel the dead, so he definitely loved men putting out big cigarettes on his chest. Come at me, James Dean. But again, I don't know if we needed that description of what the song is about. It's a placebo song. We assumed that it involves sadomasochism and an abusive female in the position of dominance. Goes with the territory. So obviously we can we can mock Placebo's lyrics a little bit there, but ultimately Placebo is gay rights because Brian Molko, the lead singer, is bi and their guitarist Stefan Olsdow is gay. So in this month of pride, I couldn't possibly make fun of Placebo anymore. So instead, let's make fun of old Fiddy, Fiddy Fid, shot nine times. But if he'd got shot for every time he'd said something homophobic, he'd have been shot even more. Yeah, take that satire, Curtis Jackson. Here is his song, Into Club, in its 15th week on the charts, there remains the longest running chart entry. 22. No radio host can resist talking about a new study. If you listen to like any radio phone-ins, about 90% of it is, a new study found that this cures cancer, this causes cancer. Please phone in and tell us what you think. Please, please. We're desperately holding on to a dying medium. Please interact with us. So who am I to step away from that grand tradition? A study found that listening to 50 cents in the club can help you get a job if you're going for a job interview. So the report for the Society for Personality and Social Psychology tested two different groups of people. One was told to listen to bass heavy tunes, 50 Cent's Into Club, Queen's We Will Rock You and Two Unlimited's Get Ready For This. And the other group listened to what the report called low power music. This included the Notorious B.I.G.'s Big Popper, Fatboy Slim's Because We Can and Baha Men's Who Let The Dogs Out. Yeah, I'm not surprised people who had to listen to Who Let The Dogs Out on a loop weren't quite ready to be in the spirit for a job interview. You know, they ask you, who would you say is your biggest business inspiration? You're like, who, 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 who? Baha Men humour. Anyway, back to the study. Researchers discovered that those in the first group were more inclined to take control in situations such as job interviews and client meetings. They felt more in control, leading to more productive and focused work. Conversely, those in the second group were meeker in the same situations and made more mistakes in a test measuring abstract thinking. Hopefully, all of these weeks of listening to 30 Seconds of Inder Club have allowed you to be a more assertive person in your life. And if they have, you're welcome. And tell us all the successes you've had in your life by emailing us at the 2000 chart show at gmail.com. So why we're all feeling assertive, let's Listen to number 21. That's Jennifer Lopez's I'm Glad, down from 11. And at number 20, in its sixth week, Justin Timberlake's Rock Your Body. Please, let me rock you to the break of day. Dance with me. 
our number 19. Sean Paul with Get Busy. That takes us into our top 20 this week. Still to come, new songs from The Darkness, Fast Food Rockers, Delta Goodrum and Jennifer Ellison. Wow. What do you mean, who? You'll soon find out if you can't remember. Oh, and Ashanti as well. Only in this podcast could you remember Jennifer Ellison before you could remember Ashanti. But they are all to come before our number... A 13-place drop for Danny Minogue in her second week on the chart with Don't Want to Lose This Feeling. that you just heard was actually the remix that was released as a single called Don't Want to Lose This Groove which uses as its backdrop the tune to Madonna's number one hit Into the Groove and completely makes an already okay song into an absolute bop a word I actually hate and it makes the kind of microphone spike so I will never be using that again but certainly this is a very good song especially with this new remix which I think is one of the top five remixes that completely blow the original song out of the water Oh, what are the other four, you wonder? Well, it's time for another one of our The 2000s Chart Show 2000s Chart. The 2000s Chart Show 2000s Charts. Hopefully I inserted a great ident there. So at number five, it's What It Feels Like For A Girl, the Above and Beyond remix. thought that the original song was kind of one of the worst songs on Madonna's music album. Basically a slow ballad about, oh, it's actually really hard being a girl. Not that great, but the version that was released as a single with the Guy Ritchie video in which Madonna is a car crashing bank robber gives the song a lot of attitude that the original song lacks. So love that. So at number four, we have Danny Minogue's Don't Want to Lose This Groove, her Madonna-inspired version of Don't Want to Lose This Feeling. Number three, we have For My People, the Basement Jacks remix. think on the surface of things that Missy Elliott and Basement Jacks would be a good collab but this version really works their two styles blend perfectly and it proves one of the 2000s chart show rules that no song sounds better slowed down and every song sounds better sped up so in making up in the BPM they made this one of the great all-time great Missy Elliott singles so number two on the 2000s remixes that blew the original out of the water we have 192000 the Soul Child remix by Gorillaz Oh, 
one that just their only idea is what if this song but faster and you're like yes please like jerry halliwell said scream if you want to go faster that doesn't make any sense the gorillas took a leaf out of jerry halliwell's book screamed if they wanted to go faster and we ended up with one of their great singles and at number one of course what else could it be but the ultimate remix that out eclipsed the original from the 2000s i turn to you the hex hector remix wrong with the original a great song on a great album but this version basically i think was the gateway drug between a lot of young gay men and poppers and what greater gift could it give us than that so that a worthy winner the number one song from the 2000s whose remix totally eclipsed the original so there you go the 2000s chart show 2000s charts denny minogue of course herself no stranger to poppers don't know whether she's taken any i wouldn't like to speculate on that but certainly a fun fact that you may not know about danny minogue is that she was one of the first artists to ever play the goy london super club for gay men that's now at heaven so as part of my interview i did with danny minogue to promote i kissed a boy as part of my day job I asked her, what was it like to be one of the first artists to play gay clubs? And here's what she told me. I was the first performer there at GOI. That was memorable, groundbreaking in its day where record companies and management didn't want anyone to perform at gay clubs because just, you know, it was fraught with um, a danger of what journalists would pin on people. That was back in the day. There was no social media, no right of reply. You really were at the mercy of what a journalist was going to say about you, which could could be completely fabricated and not true or maybe they did hit a truth and that wasn't something that you were out about at that time so for a lot of artists it was really really hard and it'd been drilled into them by record companies and management you can't be gay that will ruin your career you you know nobody can know this or it, it was a strange time but eventually the culture changed it got to a point with gay where it was like that was the place to promote your record like everybody was vying for that spot to be on stage that week or release because that could make or break you great and actually danny minogue does follow this podcast so if you're listening love you danny put the needle on it the extended remix one of my absolute favorite songs that i play probably about once a week so keep up the good work and we will keep up with counting down the chart number 17 down from 10 in its second week b2k with girlfriend we have another new entry from curtis mantronic presents shamonics with how did you know Here at the 
2000 Chart Show, we are connoisseurs of all weird little bits of music trivia. And so I'm a little bit obsessed with the presents here because anyone can be like Sierra Feet, Missy Elliott, and have a featuring. Anyone can be Robbie Williams and Kylie Minogue. And anyone but slightly less people can do a Richard X versus Liberty X. But maybe the pinnacle of these is the presents because it has a kind of air of authority about it. When, for example, the song Better Off Alone was first released, it was credited as DJ Jürgen presents Alice DJ, which is very grand, isn't it? It's like, hello, I am DJ Jürgen and I present to you the latest superstar of dance music is Alice DJ. The problem with it is, is that you have to think that it's a big deal that this person is presenting it. If it's like John Smith presents his mate Dan, you're like, who cares? Who's John Smith? And certainly on this chart, another place where we have XTM and DJ Chucky presents Anya, you are very much like, who and who? Present who? So it doesn't really work, but certainly you can take Curtis Mantronic's recommendation because he is a pioneer of electronic music in America. He was born Graham Curtis El Khalil. If you're not up on your American techno of the 80s, what's wrong with you? But you may recognise one of Curtis Mantronic's songs from his band Mantronics when it was covered by Liberty X. Yes, he did the original version of Got To Have Your Love. And now he is presenting to us Shamonix. Who exactly Shamonix is doesn't seem to have made it onto the internet. If you search Shamonix, it just comes up with the town in France, which I presume is pronounced like Chamonix. So maybe it's very possible that Curtis Mantronic is presenting us the whole town of Chamonix and saying, isn't it a beautiful place to ski? And probably it is. But sorry, if you're coming here looking for facts about the obscure techno performer Shamonix, I've got nothing for you. I even tried to search for you when was the first time that a dance act was Builders Presents. But when I searched DJ Presents, Google just read it as DJ Presence and gave me loads of results for socks saying I'd rather be DJing and t-shirts saying suck my disc. By the way, fun game for you at home. One of those things was real. Can you guess which one? Look out for yourself. One thing last to note about this How Did You Know is it has a completely deranged music video. All dance music videos are pretty deranged because they try and do something impressive with a budget of 68p. It's what I call Girls Aloud Syndrome. You have to make a music video but you've only got 28 pence to do it with. Girls Aloud managed to pull out some stuff with that and so too did Curtis Mantronics Presents Shamonics. So it's a video set in a club but every person in that club is a black silhouette that has screensaver style words like scrolling across it in word art fonts. So we don't see Curtis Mantronic, we just see a black figure with just the word DJ written all over him. It doesn't sound that crazy talking about it but I will put a clip onto our Twitter at 2000 Chart Show and you can see just how completely 2003 this looks in kind of a brilliant way. And speaking of a band who instantly conjure up 2003 at this week, in their fourth week on the chart, down from number nine, S Club with their final single Say Goodbye and Love Ain't Gonna Wait For You.
I say S Club are still intrinsically tied to the early 2000s, but it's not like they've ever really stopped touring, although keeping up with exactly when they were touring and who, if you book tickets, you might actually see has been quite complicated. So I tried to give you the entire history here. So obviously they began as S Club 7. And then in the early 2000s, Paul left and they became S Club because there were six of them. At that point, makes a lot of sense. But then in 2008, so this is just one year after Joe's racism scandal on Celebrity Big Brother, she got turned into a pariah, so she desperately needed the money. She toured as S Club 3. They toured in 2008 and that was... And then in 2015, they were S Club 7 again. They did a full reunion that I saw at the O2 Arena in London. They played Reach twice for some reason. Paul did an acoustic cover and they did it as a band. Hannah, for some reason, did a cover of Straight Up by Paula Abdul. Very weird. And Rachel, my beloved Rachel, did Sweet Dreams My LAX and the dancers had the ribbons from the video. And when I say I gay screamed so loud, I mean it. It was quite a straight crowd and everyone looked at me like I'd just been stabbed and I'm just like, don't you understand? The ribbons from the video. So that was 2015, the full reunion. And then in 2017, Paul left and Tina came in. They toured as SC3. So presumably they didn't even have rights to the S Club name. They even tried to relaunch as SC3 with a song called Family, which went absolutely nowhere. And I mean that as in it didn't chart and the song goes absolutely nowhere. So it's already quite confusing. There's already been four different versions of S Club 7. But then the floodgates have really opened recently. So the same band that were SC3 have also toured as S Club Party and just as S Club. Presumably the rights to who owned that name have just banded about like how there's two versions of Bucks Fizz that tour, one called The Fizz and one called Bucks Fizz because of who owns the name and obviously MKS and Sugar Babes, the same kind of thing. It's always confusing and none more so than S Club because not only have we had S Club 7, S Club, S Club Party, SC3, S Club 3, but then there was S Club All Stars, which is, this is really strains at credibility. So that was... And then Stacy from S Club Juniors, which I guess, sure, why not? And so then they were due to tour as S Club 7 again. But now that S Club 7 have had to rename as S Club again, because obviously Paul Catamol died, RIP, and Hannah, it seems, did not want to do a tour without Paul. So now they are S Club and there are five of them. It's like eight different versions of S Club have toured. It very much is a philosophical dilemma. So in philosophy, there's a thing called Wodehouse's typewriter, which basically asks if you have a typewriter, but throughout the years you have to replace every single part of that typewriter, is what you have at the end a new typewriter or is it the original typewriter despite having none of the original parts? Pop fans obviously will know that as the Jeju and era sugar babes dilemma. And there is no set answer. But the S Club version makes it even more complicated. It's like, exactly how many members of S Club do you need to feel that you have seen S Club? Each of us will have our own answer to this, but it seems the consensus answer is anywhere more than one. Because (laughs) this following story blew up a little bit earlier in 2023. So this is from The Mirror. S Club 7 fans left furious after just one member turns up to sold out concert. 
So S Club 7 fans have been left fuming after just one of them turned up to sing at a recent Starlight concert. Two of the seven members, Tina Barrett, 46. Wow, she looks good for 46. Not the point, just an observation. And Bradley McIntosh, 41, have been booked to perform at a £23 a ticket gig in a 150 capacity bar with tickets selling out in under 90 seconds. So who's paying 23 quid to watch two of S Club? madness well clearly 150 people it seems however when it came to the big night s club fans were left highly disappointed when tina was a no-show as she left bradley to perform alone bosses at wild in newport isle of wight explained the misfortunate mishap saying the decision was due to contract obligations after the band recently announced the 25th anniversary tour so a that's another group that was touring as s club just tina and bradley which means that tina's doing the joe parts uh, well that doesn't sound worth 23 quid does it but it seems that 150 people thought that was fine but they were not happy with just bradley so that is the answer to the question of how many members of s club 7 you need to consider it s club 7 i don't know why bradley is the only one consistent by the way this whole time very puzzling we'll have to get him on the show at one point I would say that song probably has another week on the charts. It's not quite the last time we will talk about S Club, but certainly this remains their last UK Top 40. So our time talking about S Club in whatever iteration is nearly up. And it's certainly up for now because we're moving on to number 14. This is just down from 13, so just a small one-place drop for Shania Twain with Forever and For Always. Me, I can stay right here forever in your arms. And there ain't no new listen to the show it's worth going back to two weeks ago in which we talked about the totally deranged Febreze spawn that Shania Twain was forced to do along with this song truly a low in her career I think talking about lows in the career here's uh, DJ Sammy at number 13 with Sunlight charting song and B also his worst songs whereas our next hit this May has a claim for being her biggest song certainly her biggest selling song at number 12 <laughs> down from 6 this is Amy Stutt with Misfit waste your own time I don't care anything you can do If you head over to our Twitter page at 2000 Chart Show, we have tweeted that the campaign starts here for Amy Stutt to make a return and play Mighty Hoopla in 2024. So please like and retweet that to let the bosses of Mighty Hoopla know that the stud stands need our misfit to play in the next year's festival. If I don't, if I achieve one thing with this podcast, getting Amy Stutt to play Hoopla would be, I'd be very pleased with that. So number 12, Amy Stutt and then... Another new entry, just missing out on the top 10. This is The Darkness with Growing On Me. Will it grow on you? Huh, let's listen and find out. It's not fair I'm being punished for all my offences 
hit is The Darkness's first UK Top 40 and why they chose this song for their lead single I do not know. I think it might be a case of trying to build up interest in their first single whilst knowing that you don't have the money to run a campaign to get to number one so you build up among the rock fans with the first single and then you use that as a launch pad that creates a cult audience that then gets TV people to take notice and then they book you to play your second single which becomes a massive hit if that was their plan it certainly worked because the dance's next song was a little song called i believe in a thing called love which went on to be one of the biggest sellers of 2003 their strategy worked but we aren't here to talk about i believe in a thing called love it's time will come don't you worry we are here to talk about growing on me interesting little fact on its wikipedia it reads despite rumors surrounding the song's meaning lead singer justin hawkins has refuted suggestions that the lyrics pertain to pubic lice or sexually transmitted infections people have said it's about public lice but that's obviously wrong because public pub public lice they're the ones you share I guess you do. Anyway, pubic lice. But that's obviously wrong because pubic lice don't grow on you, do they? He certainly, don't want to be rude to Justin Hawkins, but you you take a look at him and you think, hmm, that may be a guy who knows about pubic lice. Also, I'm not sure how much I believe him when he says it because A, the single cover is just his bare torso and then a pair of jeans with an open fly. Certainly the area where pubic lice live, I've heard. It is crazy that people think it's about sexually transmitted diseases because there's nothing in the lyrics that suggests that it could be. How could you get the idea of sexually transmitted diseases from lines like, I can't get rid of you, I don't know what to do, or I can't get you out of my hair, or I want to touch you but I'm afraid of the consequences, or and you're all over me but I don't want anyone to know. Only people with filthy minds could possibly get STD from any of those lyrics. And certainly the fact that the B-side is called Bareback, which is probably where you got the thing that was growing on you, That doesn't really help matters, does it? The Darkness, with the number 11 hit here, about to become one of the biggest bands of the year. But apparently, they actually struggled to find a record deal initially. I think because this kind of glam metal was very out of fashion at the time. A&R Man, they're kind of the... I've never actually... This is embarrassing for a uh, pop music because I've never quite understood what A&R Men are. I think they kind of discover bands. Anyway, this one's called Nick Raphael, and he said in an interview of Hit Quarters, there couldn't have been less of a buzz with and only two record labels showed any interest in them. The business as a whole thought they were uncool. In fact, people were saying that they were a joke and that they weren't real. Now, 3.5 million records later, they're one of the greatest of all bands in the world. Mm, not sure about that, but anyway, Nick. And that's because what they did was real. They weren't copying anyone. If they were copying then they were copying someone from 20 years ago and no one else was doing that. I mean, people in pop music are always copying people from 20 years ago. So they were, they just, no one else chose to be queen if they were straight. But it obviously worked for the darkness and we'll hear much more about them this year when they're two number two singles, I believe in a thing called Love and Christmas Time, Don't Let the Bells End. Wow, just as I've said that, I've realised that Bells End is a play on Bell End. Wow, the depths of the darkness, both the depths of the songs of the darkness and the depths of the darkness that I'm being led into by the band. Talking about darkness, never forget the spooky video for our number two. (laughs) single this week, Christina Aguilera with Fighter.
takes us into our top 10. You may think, hmm, hasn't been very starry so far. Where are all the big hits I know and love from 2003? And all I will say is they're coming next week. Next week features a song that is as important as any song that came in 2003 in terms of establishing the future of pop music. I won't reveal what it is, you'll have to listen next week. And that's called promotion. But for now, still to come on this week's episode, Fast Food Rockers. Wow, you said there wasn't any A-caliber talent this week. You're wrong. Wayne Wonder with No Letting Go. Delta Goodrum, still to come. And Jennifer Ellison. You'll finally find out who she is. Very exciting for you. Oh, and I forgot her again, even though she might have one of the best songs of the week, Ashanti with Rock With You All Baby. So they are all still to come, but for now, here's number nine. Up three places this week from number 12. We previously mentioned, I think, in another episode that this video was one of the most played on The Box, the UK music videos channel. And I think that popularity started to kick in in the charts with that going up placement, which things rarely do. So their song is XTM and DJ Chucky presents, don't forget that presents, Anya with Fly on the Wings of Love. So in my notes here, I've written, who the fuck are XTM and DJ Chucky? But then I never actually <laughs> never actually found out. So that will remain a mystery. But seeing as they're doing so well on the chart, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to delve into their lives. But at number <laughs> we have someone who we all know and probably all of us love, I would imagine. Mariah Carey with Buster Rhymes. Fourth week. Was it number four last week? It is I Know What You Want. In a passionate way, love the way you touch it, those little elaborate ways. Got the guard feeling released to relax for the day it's on you. Baby, if you give it to me, I'll give it to you. I know what you want. You know I got it, baby. If you give it to me, I'll give it to you. As long as you want, you know I got it. Baby, if you give it to me. Mariah Carey there at number eight, leading us directly into our number seven new entry. Another R&B diva of the early 2000s. This is Ashanti with Rock With You brackets or Baby. there for the way I said or baby in a kind of cod Austin Powers way I'm kind of disturbed by it myself if I'm honest so sorry about that but I'm not sorry that I played this song which is a artifact of a fascinating time in 2003 I think you know in 2023 where Beyonce's playing sold out stadiums across the world it kind of seems like it was obvious that she was always going to be like the breakout R&B star of the 2000s but at this point in time it wasn't clear who it was going to be it could have been Ashanti it could have been Khalees could have been Brandy even Christina Milian all 
seemed like kind of equal competitors to Beyonce in the race to kind of be the black Britney Spears, not in terms of music, but in terms of level of fame. Quite how Beyonce managed to jump above the rest of them, we're going to partly find out next week. But for those of you who are thinking like, no, there was no way that Ashanti could have ever been the leading R&B star above Beyonce. Hit-wise, at this point in her career, she was kind of doing better than Beyonce as a solo artist, especially in America. So here are some of the chart milestones that Ashanti managed to reach. So in 2002, this is the all on the Billboard US charts, by the way. She became the first female to occupy the top two positions of the US Billboard Hot 100 simultaneously with her songs Always On Time and What's Love. On my notes, I've accidentally written What's Love as What Love, which makes it sound like something a northern matriarch might say on Coronation Street. So that's already impressive enough. And then she the same year became the second artist after the Beatles, heard of them, to have their first three chart entries in the top 10 of the Hot 100 simultaneously. And that was when Always On Time and What's Love were followed by Foolish, her excellent debut song as a solo singer, those other two obviously being collabs. So yeah, Ashanti, a massive deal in 2003. And that continued with this song in the US, which got all the way to number two on the Billboard Hot 100, but is stuck at seven in the UK Top 40 here. Talking though of very of this song that got to number two and this says everything that's wrong with people is that while the original Ashanti version of Rock With You or Baby got to number seven H's version of it which is just him kind of rapping over him ripping off the best parts of this song that got to number two earlier this year the charts are broken music listens are broken the only way for women over 40 to get on Radio 1 is to be sampled by white men preferably under the age of 19 it's a broken system but hey, I'm sure hopefully Ashanti's making money off of it, so we can't complain too much. It's interesting that at this time, or this song is doing very well, her label Murder Inc. is in massive legal troubles, so the fact that she's still able to be successful despite that is notable. On January the 3rd, 2003, federal agents and New York Police Department investigators raided the headquarters of Murder Inc. The raid was part of a year-long investigation into the connection between the owners of Murder Inc., which included the rapper Irv Gotti, who was Ashanti's kind of mentor. So the link between him, his brother, and the American drug lord Kenneth Supreme McGriff. Investigators believe that the Lorenzos, which is Irv Gotti and his brother, launched Murder Inc. using drug money bankrolled by McGriff to launder money. Must be noted, although computers and documents were seized, no charges were immediately filed and no arrests were immediately made. They had met McGriff. He met them at the set of a music video in 1994. He was trying to get into cinematography, apparently. They since then maintained a friendship with him. So this was all rolling on while Ashanti was releasing singles from her album Chapter 2, which was of which Rock With You was one of them. And this would all go on until January the 25th, 2005, when the Lorenzo brothers surrendered to authorities in New York City and were officially charged with money laundering and conspiracy to launder money. But then in December that year, they were found not guilty. So that was 2005, in which I also believe that Ashanti released what for me is her best song, Only You. So interesting how her career is entirely tied up with this kind of legal trial. I wonder what she thinks of it. She was too busy filming The Muppets Wizard of Oz probably to think about federal trials. And who can blame her? If you can hang out with Miss Piggy, why would you read the news? That's what I've always said. Always. I'm saying it all the time. You can't stop me saying that. And one thing you haven't been able to stop me saying, this on this week's podcast is the name of Jennifer Ellison. Despite the fact that probably most of you, unless you are big 90s soap fans, don't know who she is, but she is one of our big releases this week and she is at number six with her cover of Transvision Vamp's Baby I Don't Care. There seemed to be some money behind Jennifer Ellison because she got a write-up as the not-new star in 
the issue of Smash Hits that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. In the first section of her profile, it says, Not another soap star with a record. Ah, but hold your horses, Jen's different and she knows it. She says, Record labels like soap stars, but some aren't that talented, she frowns. I've been singing and dancing since I was free. I've even won national competitions. I don't think I like that. Shade towards Marty McCutcheon, to be honest, Jennifer. Because Marty McCutcheon is talented. Eating yoghurt is a talent. You see, eating Activia every day is a great way to help your digestive health. So what are you waiting for? Get stuck into a part of New Year's resolution and start giving your tummy some love. And honestly, I don't know if I would be criticising people for their lack of talent, Jen, because the vocals on Baby I Don't Care are ropey. seem to be a talented dancer but you really are at all times giving absolutely too much and you can see this in her performance on Top of the Pops. It's like the most, you know when a, on RuPaul's Drag Race where a drag queen completely misunderstands the lip sync assignment and just spends the whole time like doing splits and gymnastics while the other person is connecting to the song. I think Jennifer Ellison may have invented that as a dance routine. The performance starts with her doing the splits and only goes on from there. It has that, she's constantly doing spins, she's doing splits she's doing leg lifts, she's being lifted by men in vests. In many ways it seems that Jennifer Ellison invented the modern drag queen with this performance. And if that all wasn't enough, she then just does the Madonna thing that she was doing at this time and just does breaks out random yoga moves throughout the whole performance. The whole thing is very, I didn't want to say coke fueled because I have no evidence that Jennifer Ellison was doing coke, but certainly it has a high energy to it, which some of us, some of us, us aging pop gays may find a little exhausting. But who is Jennifer Ellison, you're asking? The world demands to know. So this is who she is. So between 1998 and 2003, she played the character of Emily Shadwick in the soap opera Brookside, which a few weeks prior to this single coming out had been cancelled. It was a good time as any to launch a pop career, I guess. She had previously, though, before it had been cancelled, had been killed off by falling through a window during a robbery. Quite a way to go. She did what any self-respecting soap star did and tried any route to maintaining fame. Also this year, she appeared in the travel documentary Jennifer Ellison Does Thailand. I could watch that for research purposes, couldn't I? But I don't know if I can bring myself to watch Jennifer Ellison Does Thailand. And then in 2004, she appeared on the reality television show Hell's Kitchen, the Gordon Ramsay celebrity cooking competition, which she won. And this, this Hell's Kitchen thing leads us to one of the most puzzling things about Jennifer Ellison, is that this song got to number six, so it obviously did okay, but it took another year for her follow-up to come out. She only got a second single because she won Hell's Kitchen. We may find out as we go on that it just, it started at number six and then just bombs out of the chart and didn't really make any money. That is very possible, but certainly there's something fishy that she had a number six hit, which is, you know, pretty good going, and then disappeared for another year. I don't want to suggest another lemonescent situation like last week in which there was, people were bulk buying Jennifer Ellison records to make it seem that she's doing better than she was, but certainly it I don't have any evidence for that, I'll point out for legal reasons, but it does seem strange that she just disappeared off the face of the earth after this song. But as I said, we will find out and see where she is next week to see if maybe the song was just, just didn't have the follow-up. It certainly is not the greatest of covers, is it? Let's hear a little bit of the original to cleanse ourselves of the Jennifer Ellison cover.
before I go though, just if she is going to maybe drop out of the top 40 very quickly, a few things that I want to add to Jennifer Ellison. Firstly, the description of her in this Smash Hits article describes her as a Scouse Scally and... I don't want to speak to your viewing habits out there, but Scouse Scally certainly means something different to me than uh, Jennifer Ellison. I'll just say that. Please don't search Scally with safe search off at work, is all I'll say. And also, this calling out other soap stars does give a little bit of Kelly Osbourne, who we learnt last week has a feud with Christina Aguilera where she keeps calling her talentless on TV. There is something about being insecure about your talent and lashing out at other people. I think we can all learn a valuable lesson there next time you try and tweet anything. Think that you're being Jennifer Ellison and that you'll be so horrified in yourself that you'll instantly stop. And I certainly would never do that. I would never be insecure about my own talent and lash out at other people. So I definitely will never say that every other podcast is amateur and terribly presented. Serial? More like rubbish, yeah? My dad wrote a porno. I wrote this note. What does it say? Your shit. Yeah, you get the idea with that bit. <laughs> so from Jennifer Ellison, a song that seemed to be a genuinely bona fide chart hit that has staying power. I think probably people still listen to this today. This is Wayne Wonder with No Letting Go. <laughs> Got somebody. She's a beauty. Very special. Really and truly. the chorus there you may have recognized from another song on this chart yep that's right it's also provides the backbone for get busy and as we revealed when that song was first on the chart it's because they both share what's called the diwali rhythm a popular dance hall rhythm that pops up all over the place in the 2000s in places such as this it's a beat characterized by syncopated clapping that was given the name Diwali for its Indian dance music influence. Another example of how Indian music could influence the charts in the 2003. See, all of this stuff is connected. You think this is just us having fun with random entries in the UK Top 40? No, we're telling a story about the decade. Art. <laughs> anyway, Wayne Wonder, in case you're wondering, he is not the child of Helen and Peter Wander. He is in fact born Von Wayne Charles and he was born in Jamaica. He released his first songs actually in 13 and he's 30 when No Letting Go came out so a 17 year rise to this point in his career. Makes yours and my laziness look like we're complete piles of shit doesn't it? And it's actually interesting apart from the fact that it took 17 years. Obviously you need to hear a bit of what 13 year old Wayne Wander sounds like. And so here is the first song released by Wayne Wander when he was 13 back in the 80s. Yes, I cannot believe. Who would have thought I would get to do an organic Rick Roll? Do people still Rick Roll? Almost certainly not. Although, if you did it on TikTok, it would be called Rick Tock, which is a great name. So maybe they should bring it to TikToks. Really, Wayne Wonder's first single was a dub take on Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. Amazing, it took him 17 years after that to become a star, isn't it? He says of writing this song, I wrote this song about a girl without calling her name in the song because she always said to me, you're always calling these other girls' names. I said, I don't have to call your name. I'll just write a song and you can appreciate it. Or the cynical 
person in me would argue that you are removing her criticism that you call out other girls' names in your songs by making a song that generically could speak to any woman. So therefore would please both that girl and any other potential girl who you could say the song was about. Little peek behind the curtain of Wayne Wonder's brain there. So no letting go. At five, we are into our top four with two new entries and two returning entries. Coming back are last week's number one, Evanescence, with Bring Me to Life. And last week's number two, R. Kelly's Ignition Remix. And trying to fight R. Kelly, Fast Food Rockers with Fast Food Song. And also Delta Goodrum with her second single, Lost Without You. And one of those two new entries is at number four. And it sounds like this. That's right, it's the Fast Food Rockers with Fast Food Song. No, <laughs> ha ha ha, no, that was Delta Goodman with Lost Without You. Although now I'm wondering what a piano version of the Fast Food Song would sound like, if anyone wants to AI that up for me. Yeah, so I think that makes Delta Goodrum our first returning artist to the 2000s chart show, the first artist who have had two songs in the top 40. I guess the first one was David Snedden, but that didn't count because those two songs were in the chart at the same time. This is the first person to have left the chart with their first single, Born to Try, and is now back with their second single, Lost Without You. And so it's another chance to talk about Delta Goodrum and who doesn't relish that opportunity. Certainly I do, especially because I learned actually that at this time was actually a very traumatic period of Delta Goodrum's life and I had no idea of any of this before so on the 8th of July 2003 so literally a week and a bit after this song charted in the UK Delta Goodrum who's 18 at the time was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma a very serious and scary cancer and then spent the next year basically having chemo and surgeries to try and rid herself of that cancer it's so crazy to think that because I never knew that and I was you know pretty switched on to pop music at the time hence the podcast now and she released two more songs in 2003 and all the while was going through chemotherapy it's pretty remarkable so according to the guardian who interviewed her after she was cured she was in and out of hospital for a year undergoing chemotherapy radiation and steroid treatment before she was finally told she was in remission all the while trying to launch a pop career which was absolutely massive so i think born to try was number two here lost without you number four but in australia she's one of the biggest stars at this time she's kind of the equivalent of our dido for example her album innocent eyes of which this song is part was at the top of the australian charts for 29 weeks six months of delta goodrum's album being at number one lost without you in australia was her second number one she would go on to have her first four songs all go to number one you may cooler pop fans may know that as doing a beatles and trashier ones may know it as doing a spice girls but i will forever know that as doing an all saints born to try would end up in australia as the fourth biggest selling song of the year with lost without you number seven in the uk still big hits but not as big born to try would be the would end up as the 41st biggest selling single of 2003 with lost without you the 79th but still an amazing amount of success with Delta Goodrum who was going through so much at the time that I do have a incredible amount of respect for her now and so too it seemed did the unofficial 2000s chart show Queen well obviously I'm the queen of 2000s chart show but our queen is Serena Lacey the pop reviewer at Smash Hits who gave this song four guitars out of five and said from the sounds of it Delta is trying to be the new Mariah Carey this is a big ballad full of sweeping strings piano and breathy verses Delta is sad now her fella's gone the tears are running down her face and everything oh dear 
It's a really beautiful song, but not one to listen to when you're feeling sad. Any of you who are sad out there, I'm sorry that I made you sit through Lost Without You, but you'll be pleased to know that I'm sparing you from listening to Ignition Remix by R. Kelly, which is this week's number three, and that leaves us with just two songs left. Will Evanescence make it a third week at the top of the charts with Bring Me to Life, or have the fast food rockers fed the UK's insane compulsion to make the worst novelty songs number one? Will they join such noted luminaries as Mr. Blobby in the hall of infamy of bad novelty number ones? Well, we'll find out now, because this is what is at number two. I love a novelty act. Only a few weeks ago, I was singing the praises of Aqua after their Mighty Hooper performance. I'll happily listen to the Cheeky Girls Take Your Shoes Off anytime, and I often do. And Toy Boxes, Tarzan and Jane, I count among some of my favourite songs. But even I think that fast food rockers are going too far. And so too did Smash Hits. Now, over the last few weeks, we have speculated that the editorial policy of Smash Hits was to give singles no less than three stars out of five. Basically because the magazine was so reliant on people advertising new singles that they couldn't give bad reviews which is by the way people who don't work in the media that's a more common stance than you'd think that's all I'll say about that but they made an exception Smash Hits did for the fast food song which they gave zero guitars and every reviewer and I've done my fair share of reviewing loves when they can really write a absolutely scathing review and the Smash Hits reviewer Tamsin Hargrave certainly enjoyed writing this one words cannot describe how awful this song is but seeing as this is a reviews page we'll try this is an ode to fast food sung by three freaks in shiny outfits like fast food it's bad for you deeply unsatisfying tough to digest and makes you feel ashamed afterwards in fact we'd rather jump headfirst into a deep fat fryer than hear it again blurg who are those three freaks in shiny outfits you ask well they are martin rycroft lucy meggett and raya scott and we will talk a little bit in a minute about what they've done since but i have to note and we try and stay mostly positive on this show that there is one bit of this song i like which is the random ad-libbing of the word hot dog Well, at least I did like it until I learned that that is the name of the a man dressed up in a dog suit who also performed with them for whatever reason. So it's actually them trying to create brand synergy, which kind of makes me feel physically sick. Mostly, this song is it's just awful, isn't it? And the person we have to blame is Mike Stock, who wrote it. And the last name Stock may be familiar to some of the older listeners that we have, because that is Mike Stock of the 80s and 90s production powerhouse Stock, Aiken and Waterman. In fact, this song is one of the 50-plus top 10 hits that Mike Stock has been a part of. And his story is a kind of fascinating example on how all pop careers basically deemed to end in complete failure so in the 1980s he's responsible for hits like rick astley's never going to give you up not the wayne wonder version but the rick astley version kylie's i should be so lucky and one of my favorite songs of the 80s mel and kim's respectable massive number ones churning out defining the sound of a decade then the 1990s his credits include the mighty morphin power rangers album and the robson and jerome song unchained melody so kind of bad cheesy songs although 
to Rotten Gerange credit, that song is the highest selling single of the 90s in the UK that wasn't for a charity, so not including Elton John's Candle in the Wind. And then in the 2000s, he was doing equally cheesy stuff, but just much less successfully. He was behind Scooch, which was his attempt at replicating the success that his former colleague Pete Wartman had had with Steps. Scooch now probably better known for their Eurovision entry, Flying the Flag for You, but they were for a while a Steps style band that actually their songs more than I needed to know and for sure are actually pretty good but they are mostly remembered as a Steps knockoff and then he did a song for Girls At Play the flop girl band of the early 2000s who featured in our Twitter name the flop girl band quiz that you can still play on our Twitter page so they basically flopped hard then he worked with the fast food rockers and if you were like wow what a tragic end to a career no after that he joined up with Pete Waterman again to do a song for The Sheilas the band that appeared in the Sheila's Wheels Car Insurance for Women adverts. So how the mighty fall, we're all doomed to relive our past successes in increasingly more absurd circumstances. He also, last thing to mention about Mike Stock, is he was responsible for the Eurovision song Josh Dubovi's That Sounds Good To Me. Not a good thing to name that song because you're forever left with the irony that it didn't sound good to Europe who made it bottom of the leaderboard making it only the third time at that point that the UK had been bottom of the Eurovision leaderboard and the worst thing maybe about Mike Stock's involvement with fast food songs he didn't even do that much he did write new verses but the Pizza Hut Pizza Hut Kentucky Fried Chicken in a Pizza Hut was of course already a children's song that anyone who's ever been on a scout camp will know very well and that itself was already based on a Moroccan nursery rhyme so so no work involved in the chorus and he wasn't even the first person to turn a Pizza Hut, a Pizza Hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and a Pizza Hut into a pop dance song because a band in the Netherlands had released a version of it called Pizza Ha Ha, and then DJ Utzi, he most famous for Hey Baby in the UK, the song you know, Hey Hey Baby, Ooh Ah, I Wanna Know If You'll Be My Girl, one of the worst songs ever written, but maybe even worse is his song Burger Dance, which is the same idea as Fast Food Rocker's Fast Food song. <laughs> Except for some reason, that song was a German number one, which is already baffling enough, but it also apparently includes an interpolation of the song Battle Hymn of the Republic, that song that goes glory, glory, hallelujah. So at least that's a good, that's a positive, I guess, is there it could be worse, Fast Food Rockers, you could be DJ Utzi. Of course, Fast Food Rockers are the kind of band that we're obsessed with here at the 2000s chart show because they are people who clearly did not make enough money as pop stars to fund the rest of their lives so just then had to go back to normal jobs and the normal jobs that they have on to are fascinating and aren't in all cases normal jobs so martin rycroft was a barman after leaving fast food rockers and worked a series of strange jobs before get his current job which is as one of the professional dancers on Dancing with the Stars Middle East so presumably he's one of the many celebrities who live a weird parallel life in Dubai very strange the Lindsay Lohan Lisa Scott Lee school of celebrity because don't forget Lisa Scott Lee does own a performing arts school in Dubai so he is a professional dancer Lucy Megget does not there isn't that much about her online but we do know that in 2012 she was nominated for care home activity organizer of the year at the national dementia care awards so it seems that she became a carer for people with dementia which is certainly giving much more to the world than her time as fast food rockers although it does make you worry that one of the care home activities she's making them do is the fast food song dance and if so i can see why she was only nominated and didn't win that award and raya scott the last i could find of her online was her listing on the website modelmayhem.com but 
her last activity at that site was on in January 2009. So what she's been doing for the last 14 years, I don't know. But I do now know from her modding profile that she does not shoot nudes. So however much you pay Raya Scott, she won't show you her Kentucky Fried Chicken or her Pizza Hut. I'm actually very proud of that joke. I think it might be the funniest thing in the episode. They were interviewed in Top of the Pops today, 20 years ago. Top of the Pops in this era, famous for their shady interviews and segments. And fast food rockers obviously do not escape unscathed. Fern Cotton calls them what I, th- I think I can hear as musical backfillers. And I don't know what that is, but it sounds like an obscure homophobic slur. So start calling your gay friends backfillers. And then Jonathan Ross presenting Top of the Pops this week does get some great jokes in at fast food rockers expense good heavens that's what radiohead need a blue dog on stage with them that's the fast food rockers and i don't know who's buying that remember on judgment day you have to answer for your sins so get those excuses ready and also the ultimately shady thing that Top of the Pops did to fast food rockers is they play about five seconds of them performing at the beginning and then just cut to an interview which runs over their entire song until right at the end. Although we do get enough at the end to question fast food rockers claim which they made to Newsround magazine around this time that they sang live. I don't think they did but you can listen to the last sorry to make you listen to fast food rockers again but it's important we need to determine whether they mimed or not so take a listen to the last chorus of the fast food rockers as performed Top of the Pops and if you think they're miming or not. So the jury's out, but what is for certain is that fast food rockers are at number two, which means that for the third week in a row, Evanescence Bring Me to Life is number one. Its success should maybe not be a big surprise to us because it was one of those songs, as we've said previously, it started its chart run at 60. I had assumed that was because it kind of started as a obscure song and then kind of through word of mouth rocketed into the charts but no it was at 60 and on import sales which is a very obscure chart thing that is probably too nerdy for even our listeners but if you're still listening at this point you may care about this stuff as i do so as well as your normal cd singles that are released in uk for the biggest releases record stores would also buy singles essentially in america and bring them back so often you'll see before our kind of big artists like britney or madonna you will see their biggest hits kind of appear in the bottom half of the chart you'll see like madonna's american life appear at number 80 the week before it goes to number two for example or you'll see a britney song Uh, in the mid-70s before going to number one. And that's because there was such a demand for that song, even before it released, that people were willing to pay for what I remember being quite expensive import singles of it before they could get their hands on the UK ones. I remember these singles were like 5.99. Now you're saying like, that's nothing, but 5.99 in 2003 if you were 10 years old, was it's like three weeks pocket money. So the fact that people were willing to pay that for early access to Evanescence's Bring Me to Life and get it to number 60 before it was even released suggests it was going to be a big hit. And so it has proved this was its third week as the number one single and it has sold 36,000 units. So it sold 56,000 units in its first week and 47,000 in its second. But generally speaking at this time, if you can sell over about 35,000 singles, you've probably got to number one. And so Evanescence had. So well done to them for another week. I will just mention another quick fact about Evanescence, that guitarist Ben Moody and singer Amy Lee were childhood friends who met at a youth centre where Amy was performing I Would Do Anything For Love But I Won't Do That by Meatloaf. And that led him to decide he wanted to spend his life playing music with her. But turns out that he would do anything for love, but one thing he wouldn't do was stay with the band Evanescence. In Later in 2003, during their European tour, he would leave the band. But exactly why that was 
will have to be left for another day of UK Top 40s. That's called building anticipation. Stay tuned next week to find out what happened to Evanescence and why they broke up. But for now, thank you for listening for another week. Like I said, not a big starry week on the chart, but I think some good songs came out of it. And next week is a chart that changes everything. And that's just not, that's not empty fluff. I really, I mean that. So you need to come back and listen as to why. But for now, don't forget, like, rate, subscribe on all platforms. Their algorithms are strange and confusing, but one thing we know is that positive praise for a show certainly helps. So help us spread the glory of the 2000s a little bit further by doing that. Follow us if you're not already at the 2000s Chart Show on Instagram and at 2000s Chart Show on Twitter and keep streaming On the Horizon by Melanie C. We are going to reclaim that song as a good song if it kills us. But that is it for another week. So thank you for listening and I will leave you with Evanescence bringing you to life. As in, they will bring you to life, you won't. It's because the song's called Bring Me to Life. Uh, yeah. <laughs>